he wants to say. Uh, Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 22. I want to just read through this, and, and then we'll, we'll go back through it and, and sort of break it down. Um, starting verse 22, it says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Continuing on, verse 24. God that made the world, this is him beginning to declare this unknown God that the Athens called him. He says, God that made the world and all things, therein seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. And they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Just a couple more verses. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And last verse, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. I wanted to just read that unbroken at first. And like I said, we're going we're gonna to walk through it a little bit more. But I, w- I want to pray just one more time that the Lord would, would speak exactly what he wants to tonight. I don't want to take anything from what he wants to say, and I don't want to add anything to his word. And so if you would just agree with me right now that, Lord, you would minister every word that you desire. God, that our hearts would be open to receive everything that you have planned for us tonight. I pray your word, your voice, your utterance, Jesus, that it would flow in this place. I pray that your word would flow through these lips of clay, God, as I give myself yielded to you, that your word would speak for itself in Jesus' name. I pray let it go forth and give us direction. Let it bring conviction to our hearts in your name and lead us from this place forward in Jesus' mighty name. Your word is life. Your word is truth. And I seek to declare your word and not my own tonight in Jesus' mighty, precious name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you would speak with us, God. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. So a little bit of of context here. Um, Paul is, is in Athens, and in verse 16, it says that his spirit was, was stirred because he saw the whole city, or the city was wholly given to idolatry. And when, when I read that, my first thought is not just the whole city given, but they are 
wholly or fully given to idolatry. We, we understand what it means to fully give ourselves to something. And in, I, I believe that it's, it's good to have, to be passionate about something. We, we don't want to be half-hearted in the things we do. We want to give ourselves fully to things, especially the things of God. But in this instance, they had given themselves fully to idols, to idolatry, to the things that are not of God. They put things before God. And in this world, that is a very common thing, but it may be known as something different. It might be just known as passion or as a hobby or as, a, as ambition is, is a word that we use. But in reality, it is, in a lot of instances, idolatry. It is seeking something above God. It is putting all your attention, all your energy, all your effort into things that are not of God. And... So this is the context, and in verse 22 where we started, it says that he stood in the midst and he said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. And what he's saying is you, you feel after too much. You, you give yourselves to too many different voices, to too many things that, that you're hearing. You just willingly give yourselves to these things. And in a different translation, I believe it's the ESV, it says that you're too religious, and you just go through these religious routines and just anything and everything you can get your hands on, you, you give yourselves to. And verse 23, it says that he passed an altar with an inscription that said to the unknown God. And he says, you therefore ignorantly worship this unknown God. You don't even know what you're giving yourselves to. You, you have this altar built and you worship this God, but you don't even know who it is. You don't even desire to know who it is. You're just seeking a feeling. You're just looking for something that you can worship, but you have no interest in knowing this God that you worship. And, and I believe that's what they did in so many other things is it, was, it wasn't just this God, because if, if that was the only God they worshiped, then I believe that the Lord would have begun to reveal himself to them. But they were just giving themselves to so many other things and not even caring about what it was. They just were seeking a sensation. And, and so then Paul begins to declare who that God is. And in verse 27, it, it begins to say that they should seek the Lord. And if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. And the, the way I understood that was... They have ignorantly worshipped this unknown God, no interest in, in knowing who he is. And what Paul is saying in verse 27 is if you would just seek him, if you would actually seek to know him instead of just worshipping for the sake of a feeling, if you would actually seek to know him, God is not far from you. He would reveal himself to you. And so the fact that you don't even know who this God is shows me that you're not truly seeking him. It shows me that you're just seeking after a feeling. And I'm, I'm really just breaking it down into as plain and simple as I can, I can understand it. Uh, verse 28, it says, in him we live and we move and we have our being. And this, is, this verse is true as the whole word of God is, but that also means that the opposite of this verse is true. If in him we live, if in him we move, and if in him we have our being, then that means if we're not in him or if we're outside of him, then we do not live 
we do not move and we do not have our being. If we do not live, we have no life. I think that's pretty clear. We have no life. We have no fulfillment. We're, we're never satisfied. We're always reaching for something to satisfy or fulfill us because we aren't truly living if we're not in Christ. If we're not moving, then we're stagnant. We have no growth. We, we don't move, as Elder had talked about, we don't move from glory to glory because we're not in Christ. We're just in this constant place of where do I go from here? What's next? How do I change my situation? But if you're not in God, you won't move. If you're not in God, you won't have your being. Well, being is probably the one that we, we don't use as much anymore, but the, dis, the definition that it gives is we are or to be. And so you could basically read that, in him, we know who we are. In him, we know who we are to be. And so if you're not in him, then you don't have an identity. If you're not in him, you, you don't know who you are. You don't know what to do. You, don't, you have no sense of belonging. And I believe that's what these people in Athens were doing is, is they weren't in Christ. And so they had no identity. They didn't know where they belonged. So they were just reaching after anything and everything that they could, not recognizing that everything that they were reaching after had no benefit to them and would never satisfy them. Because if you're not in God, it's, it's not like you'll live but then you won't move and won't have your being. If you're not in God, you don't get to pick one of these or two of these. If you're not in God, you don't get any of these. We're, we're going to go back to that in a little bit, but I, I want to I want to just understand these next few verses a little bit more. Uh, verse 29. For as much then, well, we'll finish verse 28, sorry. It says, as certain also of your own poets have said, we are also his offspring. And in the easiest English for verse 29, he's basically saying, so then if we're his offspring, if we're the offspring of God, then we ought not to think that silver, or we ought not to think that the Godhead is like gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's devices. In, in other words, we, we shouldn't think that, that God is just some figment of man's imagination. God is not something that man just created that we can fit him in whatever box that's convenient for us. God is either all God or he's not God to us at all. You have to make that decision for yourself. I have to make that decision for myself. And, and that's what he's saying here. If we're the offspring of God, then we have to believe that he is real. In verse 30, the times of this ignorance God winked at, or the times of, of us just letting God fit into a box or ignorantly worshiping God, not, not truly seeking him, not truly knowing him. For, for a season, for a short time, God gave us grace. That, that's how I'm going to word it. I, I don't want to say God allowed it because I believe that God wanted them to worship him. I don't, I don't believe he was okay with them just ignorantly worshiping him and not truly seeking him. But it says for, for a while God winked at it or he maybe turned away from it just for a season. But in continuing in that verse, it says, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. And, and I feel this for myself and for where the world is at today because this world, as I said at the outset, is so consumed with self and so consumed with 
temporal desires and temporal satisfaction. And, and I fall into that trap sometimes, too. I'm human. I don't want to act like I, I don't have desires in myself for things of this world, things that may be fun to me. Not sin, but things that are just in, enjoying to my flesh. And the Lord is calling us, calling me to repent. The time is now. He's not just calling. It says he is commanding all men everywhere to repent. Why is he doing that? Verse 31, because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world. There is a time that is coming where Jesus is going to judge the world. We are in a space of grace, in a dispensation of grace where, where God is pushing back judgment. And he's giving us an opportunity to repent as he is commanded. And if we do not repent, we will not live, we will not move, and we will not have our being. Because in him is eternal life. Life is not in this world. The things of this world will pass away, but his word is eternal and will never pass away. Back to verse 28. This is where I want to talk for just a little longer. My prayer daily has been verse 28. Lord, I want to live in you. I want to move in you. I want to have my being in you. And seeking to not fulfill the desires of my flesh, to not do what's appealing to me. Again, it doesn't mean it's wrong, but Lord, I want in all my ways to acknowledge you. If we're truly living in him, I, I don't think you can partially live in him and partially live out of him. Either you're alive or you're dead. There's only two options. And, and that's how I feel the Lord speaking to me is either you're all in or you're not. Either you're hot or you're cold, but I don't want somebody who's lukewarm, who's going to bounce between two opinions. Choose you this day who you will serve is what Joshua said to the children of Israel. And as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And that's a daily decision we have to make. As, as we grow up, our priorities should change. It's part of maturity. Elder spoke on appetite a few weeks ago and what, what our appetite is. Um, just a quick reference. In verse 22, when he said you're too superstitious or you feel after too much, it made me think of Ephesians 4, verse 14, where it says you're tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. But the start of that verse says that we henceforth be no more children. What, what's he saying? He's saying that children, and this isn't a negative thing, this is how God made us, but children are more easily swayed. There, there's a saying that says ignorance is bliss, and uh, in some instances, I guess, you know what, I don't need to know that. I'm glad not to know that, but when it comes to the things of God, I want to know the things of God. Uh, but ber verse 14 of Ephesians 4 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may we grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. What's he saying? He's saying that as you grow up, you begin to determine this is what I believe. 
as you grow up, there becomes an establishing. I'm not going to just be swayed in every direction with every wind of doctrine that I hear, but part of growing up is I make determinations of what I'm going to allow in my life and what I'm going to cut out of my life. That's part of maturity. <laughs> a little story that I, I think of is as, as a kid, I, I, I love, not just as a kid, I still do, I absolutely love sugar, especially gummy candies. Um, my, my favorite thing, and as a kid, I would always say, man, when I have my own money or I move out, I'm always going to have some candy in my house. And uh, I told myself that, like, your parents won't do it, but when I'm old enough, like, absolutely, even if it's just a little bit. And um, that might not be the best example because I think I usually do always have candy in my house somewhere. Um, I'll, I'll shift a little bit. Another one is we, we didn't we didn't always uh, <laughs> we didn't always have soda in the house. I'll, I'll use that as a good example. Um, we we wouldn't always. Sometimes we would, but um, and I I told myself too when when I move out I'm always gonna have soda in the fridge. I, I just. You, uh, Sprite, Sprite's a good soda. It, it doesn't have caffeine. Like that's that's a good option. That's what I told myself. I'm always gonna have have soda in the fridge. And uh, once I moved out, I did exactly that. I always had ginger ale in the fridge, and uh, I love ginger. I still do. Not still have it in the fridge, but I still love it. And um, for a good year and a half, probably after I moved out, I always had a case of ginger ale in the fridge. That was the desire of me as a child. And, uh, but as I, after a year and a half of that, I was thinking, you know, this doesn't have as much sugar as Coca-Cola or no caffeine, so I was justifying a little bit. And uh, then I looked at one of the cans and I think there was like 36 grams of sugar or something in that. And uh, I, I was like, you know what? This probably isn't good for me. And as a kid, that's the last thing you're thinking of. You're not thinking about what's good for you. You're thinking about what tastes good for you, not what actually is good for you. And so uh, I made a decision to no longer always have ginger ale in my fridge. And, and I know that's, that's a silly example, but that shows the, the contrast of the mind of a child and what you want and then beginning to look deeper into things and thinking, well, is this actually good for me? Do, does this actually benefit me? Yeah, it's, it's satisfying for a moment, but in the long run, what's this going to do to me? How is this going to affect me? And so I made a change. Um, I may still be slightly immature because I, I don't just drink regular water. I, had to, I still need the bubbly drink. And so I had to switch to sparkling water. And so that's what I always have in my fridge now, sparkling water. And it took me a little bit to start liking it, but I've adapted and I love it now. So praise God, he helped me there. But, <laughs> but the example I share is that when you grow up, part of growth is a change of, of your appetite, not necessarily because something isn't good to you anymore, but because you recognize the benefit or lack thereof for you. You recognize the value or lack thereof it has in your life. And so, so it is with the flesh, with things that maybe do or don't edify you, your spiritual walk with God, your relationship with God. It, it doesn't mean it's wrong because every once in a while I'll be walking down the aisle and I'll see the sparkling water 
and then on the other side is the ginger ale, and I've bought a case every once in a while, every few months, so I'm really good about not doing it, but, <laughs> but it's every time I go down that aisle, it's not that I don't even think about the ginger ale anymore. I, I have to make a decision every time. Nope, I'm picking this one instead. I'm going for the healthier option this time instead. And I think that's a deception that we fall into is, is we think that we just make the decision once and we're set. We never have to deal with that again. But there's going to be a daily decision you have to make when you can either please your flesh or you can feed your spirit. And you have to determine that every morning. In the scripture I referenced where Joshua said to the children of Israel, he said, choose you this day who you will serve. And sure, in the context, he may have been saying today you have to decide for your future but also I believe that that's something you have to com- like determine every day. I am choosing today I will serve the Lord. You have to die on an altar daily to your desires and grow up in Christ and put off your desires and allow the Lord to give you the desires for his kingdom. And I struggle with that at times. I'll admit to that. There's things that I still enjoy, but it doesn't edify me. It doesn't feed my spirit. And what happens is... Well, I'll get ahead of myself. I'll go a little further here. I mentioned the statement of ignorance is bliss and how sometimes it can be beneficial if there's information you just don't need to know, but then it can also be damaging as well. Um, that example is, is a kid. You don't think about the sugar and all the caffeine and all the junk, and it's ignorance, so you can just enjoy it. But once you know that it's extremely unhealthy for you, okay, I'm glad I found this out. It's time for me to cut this thing out and make a decision that I shouldn't be doing this or eating this. Um, There is a story, Elder has shared it before, of um, if you didn't have any pain, if you couldn't feel any pain, that may sound amazing. Man, I I don't feel any pain, nothing hurts. I can can get hit, anything doesn't hurt me at all. But imagine if, you have no pain and you put your hand on a hot stovetop, you're, you're not going to feel it. And that may be great. I didn't get burnt. Well, that's not the truth. You didn't feel the burn. But if you keep your hand there, there's going to be damage that you can never take back. There's going to be something that happens to you that you're ignorant of the pain, but the, the pain is still causing damage whether you feel it or not. And, and I feel that that is something the Lord has been speaking to me about is that there are some things that are damaging to us that we don't feel it, but it doesn't mean it doesn't have an effect on your life. And in this fast that we've been on, and for the last few months, this has been something the Lord has been dealing with me about, but specifically as we've entered into this fast and we've cut some things out that maybe to us we didn't think were much. Maybe to us it seemed like, no, this, this isn't a sin, this isn't an issue But once they've been cut out of your life, I feel like the Lord is starting to bring them to the surface and point out, here's some of the damage that this has been causing into your life. Here's some of the issues that that this is causing in your life that may not, again, may not be sin, but it's, it's not helping your relationship with God. And I want to be in him and live in him and not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Part of, again, part of growing up is changing our appetite, recognizing what is valuable to us, recognizing what should have priority in our life and what shouldn't. 
In 1 Corinthians 13 and 11, it says, When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And I'm afraid sometimes, and I'll include myself in this, I'll speak to myself that there's times where we can choose to remain ignorant about some things. And I've done that before. Areas where, where I know this has zero benefit to me, and yet I still continue to allow it in my life. I still continue to eat it and take it in and bring it into my life. And I choose to ignore the, the damage that it's causing. Well, it's, it's not actually sin. It's okay. I'm just going to keep allowing this in my life, and I'm going to just keep it in my heart and and we begin to grow numb to what it's actually doing in us. Like the person who can't feel pain, you don't even recognize the eternal effect that it's having on your life, that it's having on your walk with God. The scripture says to commit your works unto God and your thoughts will be established. And that's what I think is, is when we give ourselves to so many other things and we wonder, man, why can't I think clearly? Why does it feel like my mind's always back and forth? Why does it feel like I'm unstable? Well, it says in James that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't be stuck between two opinions. You have to determine, who am I serving today? Am I going to serve my flesh? Am I going to serve my temporal body? Or am I going to feed my spirit? Am I going to invest in this life and things that will pass away and that will eventually burn? Or am I going to invest in the kingdom of God that is eternal and that will never fail into a kingdom that God is building, that he is establishing and desiring for us to walk in and live in every day? Elder has sent the message out about about this fast and asking that in these last few days of this month to consider, Lord, what things am I going to allow myself to pick back up? And what things am I deciding? No, this fast has revealed to me that I should never pick this thing back up again. Another just silly example is I, um, for a work league, for work, we do a fantasy football league. And um, they, they always add me to it. They, they pay to get into it, and I've told them I'm not paying to play. I, no, I, I don't agree with that. I won't do it. And so they bend the rules so that I can play without having to pay. Um, well, <laughs> so I've did that for, I guess, three years now that I've done it. And last year I had told myself, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to do this next year. I, I think I just can be too distracting sometimes. And um, then this year comes around and my coworker came to me and He's like, hey, you want to do it? I was like, look, I, I don't really feel like it. He's like, well, what if we need an extra person? I was like, okay, if you need an extra person, I'll fill it, but I don't, like, I don't care to be. You don't got to make room for me. Well, I ended up being in it again, and, um, and I just, I recognized how it was, it was affecting me. It was actually taking some of my attention at times when I didn't need to be giving attention to it, checking, all right, how'd this person do today in, in their football game? Did they get me points or getting frustrated when, when a person didn't play that day and they were supposed to play and I didn't catch it in time and, and just realizing how much it was consuming my time. And it may seem silly, but 
I know all of us have those same type of things that if we start talking about them out loud, they sound ridiculous, but they consume our time and our energy. And I don't think there's anything wrong with fantasy football. I, it's something I did enjoy, um, but I, I recognize again this year, okay, I, I need to make a note. Next year, I am not doing this. I'm not going to allow myself to be swayed into doing it either, but I'm determining I'm not doing this. And, and again, I just feel that that is what the Lord is, is asking us right now, coming out of this fast, that we would consecrate some things to him. I, I listened to a preaching the other day, and it said that the, the fire of God is ready to fall. It's just waiting for a sacrifice. And, and I feel the Lord asking us that right now. Do you want his power and his fire working in your life? Present a sacrifice to him. Do you, do you truly want to see the power of God operative in, in your life, on your job, in your family, everywhere you go? Or would you rather just continue to feed your flesh for a moment? Or do you truly want to see God work in you and eternal things that will give you purpose, that will give you identity, that will give you true life, that will give you fulfillment and satisfaction? Could we stand right now and could we ask the Lord to examine our hearts of anything that maybe we're holding on to that the Lord has been asking us to let go of for a while now and we've just too long justified it and we've grown numb to the damage that it's causing in our hearts, to the, to the damage that it's causing, the hindrance that it's having to our relationship with God. Lord, I don't want to feed this flesh. I don't want to grow numb to the things of this world that would not satisfy me, that would be temporary, God, that would not fulfill me, but I want to abide in you in all my ways. I want to acknowledge you that you would direct my paths. God, I want to be established in you, to be in you, living, moving, and having my identity in you, God. That this man, that this flesh would be crucified, and that you would be alive so that you would consume this sacrifice, I pray. Lord, that we would walk in the power and authority of your spirit that was given to us by the infilling of the Holy Ghost. For your scripture says that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. God, I pray, let your power be operative in and through each of our lives. Examine us for areas where we have continued to feed ourselves and hinder you from being able to use us the way you desire. God, that we would put away childish things. Lord, that in this transition that you have us in, in this time of growth, uh, that we would examine ourselves for our appetite to be changed. That we would allow you to search our hearts and begin to place our priorities in the things of the kingdom and not in the things of the world. God, that we would no longer look at things just by sin and what's not sin, but that we would look at them and how they affect our relationship with you. God, for you are what is important to me. God, in you I have life.
Elder has shared the story multiple times of, of my great-grandmother who she would, she would ask him and say, I guess she wouldn't ask him, but she would say, I just don't understand how people make it without God. And she would pause for a minute, and then she would say again, well, I guess they don't, do they? And we can be in the church, but we can, we can worship God, but we cannot know God. The scripture says where the people went to Jesus and they say, in your name, we cast out devils. And in your name, we did all these things. And, and he looks to them and says, depart from me. I never knew you. There is, there's something more than just, than just speaking the word, but there has to be a depth of relationship. Uh, I, a scripture we were reading, if you're reading in the, the daily, the bread chart that we do, one of the scriptures the other day was, um, it was talking about Jesus and how he was speaking, and it says that they were astonished because he didn't speak as the scribes and the Pharisees. He spoke as one having authority. And what that tells me is that there's something more than just knowledge. There's, there's a power and an authority that comes when you abide in him and you truly have a relationship in him. And that is the Lord's desire for all of us to have that authority, to walk in that authority and power. Um, I can't remember if I've shared this story to everybody before. Um, it may have just been with the men after men's prayer one time. Um, but... I guess a little over a year ago now, well, a couple years ago, the Lord had, had dealt with me about Instagram and about deleting Instagram. And to me, it's, well, what's, what's the purpose of that? You know, it's just Instagram. And, um, and so I would delete it and permanently delete it, but you have 30 days to recover it before it's gone for good. And um, I would delete it and before the 30 days was up, like, you know what, I feel like I'm doing good. I think I can still be on Instagram. And so I downloaded it again before it permanently went away. And, um, and that, that went on for about a year, probably. I'm not proud of that. Uh, and the Lord started dealing with me about that again. And the way that he dealt with me was, if, if you're not willing to give this thing up, then what you're telling me is that this is more important to you than my relationship with you. And you can say, well, that's, that's foolish. That's not true. I mean, obviously, Instagram's not more important than God. Well, then, if that's the case, then, then give it up. If, if that's the case, then cast it on an altar and let the fire of God consume it. And it's the saying of, you can't only eat one Lay's potato chip, they say, where, where you can say, ah, I've got the self-control, but once you've had one, you've just got to keep going back for more. You're not, you're not satisfied with, with just one. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think Lay's potato chips are that great. but <laughs> um, So the Lord had dealt with me about Instagram, and he, he placed that thought in, in me again of, if you're not willing to let go of this, then what you're telling me is that it's more important to me or to you than your relationship with me. And that put the fear of God in me, and, and so I, I deleted it. I, I wrestled with it for, for probably another month or two, and Finally, one night, I wasn't feeling anything. There was, Lord wasn't really talking to me, but I just was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm just going to delete it. And um, so I deleted it. And when I did, I felt like the Lord told me, uh, because, again, you got that 30 days before it's gone for good. 
and it tells you on this day it will be permanently deleted. You can't recover it. And I felt like the Lord told me that on that day that it's gone for good, that something is going to happen in your life, that, that there will be a change that happens. And so I just, I wrote that down in a notebook, and I said, okay, Lord, I, I trust you with that. And uh, again, still didn't feel anything. Um, and then the next day, Brother Renee called me, maybe around like 3 o'clock, and he's like, hey, I'm coming over tonight. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, so... He, he probably said a little bit more, but basically he invited himself over. And uh, so he came on over, and um, <laughs> see, he just confirmed it. And so um, him and I just started talking, and um, he began to, to tell me a story from a book that he was reading about this man who had, he used to, I don't know if he collected records or CDs or not, but he, he had a bunch of CDs of uh, secular music and not Christian music, and um, and the Lord had dealt with him about getting rid of those, and so he tossed them all in a trash bag, but then he never threw that trash bag out, and and he kept stumbling, he kept failing, and was getting frustrated. God, why am I still struggling? Why am I not going beyond this point? And he said that that thought of those CDs came back into his mind, and so he went home, and in frustration, he opened each one and began to crumble each CD one at a time. And he said that as he broke each CD, that he felt the, the grasp of the struggle that he was facing begin to pull its fingers off of him as he would break each one, that, that each finger would begin to loose off of him until all of them were broken and he was delivered from what he was facing. And when Renee told me that, it quickened that thought to me again of, of the thought I had the night before on this day when this Instagram is deleted for good. God, I have no clue what this has to do with, with anything else going on, on in my life. It's, it's just Instagram. But it was a confirmation to me that God has spoken. And so I laid hold on that. And God, when this day happens, I believe that something will change in my life. And I, I wish I could say that there was a sign from heaven and lightning fell on that day. It, it didn't, but I fully believe that that day when my Instagram was gone for good, that the Lord did a work in my life or began something new in me. I don't know, but I trust the word of God. And the Lord met Brother Renee and I in that room right then, and just thankfulness filled our hearts in that place, and we began to worship God. And so I don't, I don't know what the Lord's been dealing with you about these last few weeks, or maybe it's been longer than a few weeks. Don't limit it to just this month when we're doing a media fast. Maybe it's been, maybe it's been years that the Lord has been dealing with you about something, and, and it can seem so unrelated to a struggle you're facing. But God knows your heart. God knows how things are connected. And maybe they're not connected in any way. Maybe it's just the Lord seeking you to be obedient to him. He's seeking you to lay something on an altar, and when you present a sacrifice to God, his fire will consume the sacrifice. So one more time before we go tonight, would you receive the word of God, whatever he's dealing with you about, whatever has been going on in your life for the last few weeks, months, years, I don't know. Would you lay it on an altar and ask the Lord to consume it with his fire, only if you truly mean it. Only if you truly want the Lord to do a miraculous work in your life, would you present it to God. Lord, 
here I am. Here is this thing that you have been ministering to me about. I lay it at your feet. God, consume the sacrifice, I pray, and have your way in and through me, Jesus, that you would lead and you would order my steps, I pray, in Jesus' name. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I think I know in my heart what I need, but Lord, you try the spirits. You know truly what I face and the struggles that come upon me. Amen. I'm opening this altar right now. If you want to come lay something on the altar, would you do that right now? God, I present my body a living sacrifice. Lord, I cast down every weight and every sin that would easily beset me, oh God. Jesus, search my heart, I pray. Don't let doubt into your mind. If there's doubt trying to come in saying, well, no, this doesn't actually matter. No, this has no effect on me. That's not of God. I pray that you would respond to the spirit and you would lay down whatever it is, whatever may have a hold on you. Maybe it's something simple, but if it's just a, a way of showing your desire for relationship with God, maybe it's just a way of showing God that you truly want Him to work in your life. Lord, here I am. 